today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Another uh, Oscar and Emmy winning uh, actress has passed away. Uh, Cloris Leachman. You might remember her from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. 94 years of age. Let's bring in TV critic Bill Brio. Uh, and he is with us now. Bill, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Doing fine, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, considering uh, lots of stuff to watch, that's for sure. I mean, I think people are burning through the Netflix and anything else as fast as they possibly can. <laughs> I think so. Everybody's streaming these days. You're right. So I'm I'm reading the story about uh, actress Cloris Leachman, and many may not realize who she was or not know the name but know the face. You certainly would know the face. Uh, won eight Emmys for her work on uh, Mary Tyler Moore. It's amazing that an actress that was a supporting player, uh, I'm guessing most of her life, had had such accomplishments. She was an awards magnet. I mean, before that even, she won an Oscar for... Uh the Last Picture Show, a movie she did with mm-hmm. Peter Bogdanovich. And, yeah, she won awards for Mary Tyler Moore's show. She had a spinoff from that show, her own show, Phyllis. And then uh, in Malcolm in the Middle, years later, she won a couple more supporting uh, uh, Emmys. And for many TV movies and, and other things. And a career that goes all the way back to the 50s, really. Episodes of Twilight Zone and Lassie and all kinds of stuff. Not necessarily the biggest star, but seemed to always be working. Always working, and you know, I, for me, her greatest performance was in Young Frankenstein yeah. as Frau Bruja. You know, like yeah, every time you'd say her name, the horses would win. Uh, she's just hilarious that. in that film, just so over the top, and uh, everything about her costume and her manner was very, very funny. Just somebody who never really gave a took chances, but never gave a bad performance. Did you ever have the pleasure to interview her? I did, several occasions, Scott. You know, I would go down to the um, television critics' press tours twice a year in L.A., and uh, she would be part of that cast of her final show, um, and uh, she played Mama on the uh, the last sitcom she did, Raising Hope. Um, she was already in her 80s, and um, yeah. so she'd be there with the press and uh, being interviewed, and they took us all to the Santa Monica Pier, you know, way out into the... California there in Los Angeles and I guess I think Fox that may have owned the pier because they closed it off to visitors just had the press and the stars and we were supposed to mingle an interview so I'm looking for um, you know Cloris Leachman where is she and found her over on one of the rides and she was being hooked into um, like it's a one of these things where they're you're harnessed in and then lifted up and dropped you know um, <laughs> she's 84 yeah. And she was doing this crazy stunt, and uh, I couldn't believe it. And uh, talked to her later. She was fine. But she, she was on Dancing with the Stars in 84 yep. at this point. She, she never stopped. What was it like, uh, you know, we talk about the Mary Tyler Moore show, obviously an incredibly successful show. Was there anybody on that show that did not win an award? I mean, that must have been quite a cast. Yeah, when you think of it, you know, there's only a, a few of them left now. Um, Mary Tyler Moore died, I think, in 2017, Valerie Harper in 2019, and now Phyllis. So those three, they really kind of defined women. I think it was uh, Valerie Harper said, Mary Richards was the girl you wanted to be, Rhoda was the girl you probably were, and Phyllis was the girl you were afraid you'd wind up as. Huh. Uh, you know, So it was just very 70s, very of its time. All we got now, we got Ed Asner is still going. My yeah. goodness, is still working. Uh, and, uh, of course, um, 
you know, Captain Stubing there, uh, the the actor, the uh, bald headed. Uh, uh, actor in the newsroom, yep. um, McLeod, G- uh, Gavin, Gavin McLeod. McLeod right. There you go. I don't know how I pulled that out of the air, Bill. Thank you for doing it, Scott. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, you know, so there's a couple left, but uh, no, it, it's you know that was 50 years ago almost now, and uh, time marches on. You know, we often talk about women in entertainment, women in any any industry, the glass ceiling, all of that stuff. How did she make such an impact in a in an industry that was so dominated by men? Cloris Leachman? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, obviously, um, she was a great character actor, and uh, their prize, no matter what gender, you know, and then have been throughout the history of Hollywood, um, and certainly... Uh, whenever you saw her, she was just uh, tremendous in these character roles. And just a really good actress. I happened to, as we're talking about everybody watching Netflix and everything and streaming, there was a remake at Christmas time that from the 70s of It's a Wonderful Life. And she's in it. She's playing sort of the female version of uh, the angel, you know, from the original movie. Mm-hmm. And it's over the top. She's got this crazy accent. Uh, but you can't take your eyes off her. Like she, she always delivered a watchable performance, and uh, that obviously is just prized by writers, directors, people who make television. Mel Brooks put her in three different films, so uh, she was comedy gold. Obviously, a likable face that everyone wanted to see. She was, and uh, having met her in person, um, she was an event man. I mean, pretty wild. Hmm. She, she. Reporters loved her. Uh, Me and a colleague, Ed Bark, from the Dallas Morning (laughs) News, we sat with her one morning at one of those sessions when she was in uh, raising uh, uh, the the last show she did. And uh, I can't even tell you the stories. You can't tell you on the radio, Scott. I'll tell you (laughs) off there. You can decide later how you might clean it up. But she she could be pretty um, outrageous in person and very, very funny. That's great to hear. Uh, and now we're wondering what you're talking about. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Here we are uh, in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic. Where has that left television production? Where Where's the industry now? Obviously, uh, we've seen a shift in, in, in people binge watching because they're home and such. How is TV going to change going out the other end of this? Yeah, it's tough. You know, uh, really, people are we're watching and we're not really... Uh, most people don't get how hard it is. It's, it's incredible, the effort that's going into making, especially scripted shows right now. Uh, I just interviewed the people who are the showrunners of this new CBC cop show that's coming up, Pretty Hard Cases. It was shot in Toronto, maybe some of it in Hamilton as well, but um, it's like two women police officers, and the people running the show were saying to make a cop show on the streets of Toronto in middle of COVID, it's just like the hardest thing you can imagine. Uh, all the actors are masked up. They've got to be tested every day. Uh, all the technicians and, and camera people and distanced. And, you know, and your story is about people getting handcuffed and thrown into police yeah. cars and everything else. Pretty hard to do. How will this or how has this changed the way we watched? Will, you know, and I've often thought about this with music. Like, you know, by the time popular music comes out of this, it, it just, just like during a war, it's, it has to change the psyche of everybody. Will, will that be the same way with TV? Are we, are we going to see a different trend here happen after all of this shutdown? 
What's interesting, Scott, is that um, producers and networks are either deciding to ignore COVID, like to try to skip over it, or they're going to go for it. So you've got other shows. The CBC has another one coming back next week, Coroner, for its third season. So the show's called Coroner, and it's about a you know a woman, uh, Sarinda Swan plays her. She goes in and investigates murders and deaths, and... So in the story, she's masked up. She's wearing yeah. shields. She's gowned. The first episode takes place at a long-term care center where they've had 20 fatalities. And so this is a story about what's happening now. And I think it's brave. It's a brave choice, but it's also relevant. You know, all of us either have a loved one or know somebody in a long-term care. A lot of us hold our breath when the phone rings, and you want to... Um, you know, some people might want to not want to see that, but I think enough do that it's smart that TV tackles what's happening now. How this plays three or four years from now in a rerun, I don't know. Yeah, that'll be fascinating. What does it do to reruns when we see people wearing masks? I guess it will depend on whether we're still wearing them or not. Exactly. Uh, but it's funny you should mention that because I have noticed that. And I've also noticed, uh, noticed it appearing in commercials. You see commercials where now people are masked up. Yeah, no, you're right. It's they're making it part of the narrative, uh, and you know we're all sitting at home living through this. Of course, you know I, I think it's smart to tackle it. Uh, but a lot of shows that are coming up, new mid-season shows, um, it's all over the map, Scott. There's shows that have been delayed, and they, you know this this pretty hard cases. They were supposed to start shooting that in April. They couldn't start till August, and um, you know it's, it's just a lot harder to make the shows. We know during tough times that sometimes the stuff gets pretty frivolous and, you know, just people looking for escape type uh, television, pretty light fare. Are we seeing that? Are we going to see that? I don't know. That's a good question. I think um, you think that I always look for comedy and it's hard to find. You know, I'm finding I'm mm. going back and watching reruns of The Grinder with Rob Lowe, you know, mm. shows that made me laugh a few years ago because it's hard to keep up with the with the new output i think um you know they're making a new series on based on clarice silence of the lambs is coming out next week you Hmm. couldn't get a scarier or more grim premise than that uh cbs also has a new version of the equalizer if you remember that show this time queen latifah is starring so here's it's a vigilante justice show and uh she's out to sort of help the little guy and i think that's part of what we're feeling Networks are understanding that, and they're making shows that address that, but it's certainly not a diversion away from grim headlines. Well, you know, even with the masking issue, you, you know, you bring up a valid point. You watch your, your your favorite show. Now, all of a sudden, they're masked up. Does that depress people? Does that, oh, man, I don't want to see that? Or if they don't wear masks, it's fantasy land, and everybody's sitting there going, well, they're not wearing masks. They should be wearing masks. How do you balance that? Yeah, and that's what they're all grappling with. And it's it's not just even that you see it. When I was talking to the actress on Coroner, and this is what all these caregivers are, are finding out all day long. You're wearing a mask and a glass, you know, a covered yeah. plastic one and a small, and it leaves a mark on your face. She's saying yeah. like, the makeup has to go and touch her up almost every day, a couple of hours, a, you know, every day because of the impact of having this thing over your nose and, and everything else. So it's, Technically, it's really hard, and um, whether or not people are embracing it as viewers, I'm not sure.
Bill Brio has been with us, TV critic, Bill Brio TV, uh, talking about everything regarding COVID-19 production, uh, right to the passing of Cloris Leachman at 94. Bill, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. You too, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.